This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let that resonate in your spirit. This is the day that the Lord has made. But wait, I right woke up on the wrong side of the bed. My hair didn't go the right way. But wait, my child just threw up on me. We had a fight at the, on the way to church. But God, how can it be a good day? We could go on forever, couldn't we, like that? But that doesn't change the word. The, the word of God is unchanging. And you can have a great day. You can have in your body or in your mind a lousy day. But it doesn't change what the word says. The word of God is sure. Everyone say sure. The word of God is certain. And that is what we need as children of God. As any human being, we need the stable word of the living God. We need something that is foundational that we can stand upon. Do you remember the old song? This is not in my notes, by the way. Okay? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods came up. And the wise man's house, what? Stood firm. Founded on the word. Solid, sure foundation. Hallelujah. And today we're going to be sharing about the sure foundation. Hallelujah. We're going to share uh, some very powerful truths that I trust is going to uh, enlighten you, empower you. Hallelujah. And cause you to move forward in breakthrough. Hallelujah. Our God is a God of breakthrough, like we heard the Spirit of God say this morning. He is a God of breakthrough. Hallelujah. He is not a God who wants you to stay in the same position you've been in. Hallelujah. Unless it's that you're in the secret place or you're walking with him. That's, he wants you to stay in that position. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Your word will go out with power. Your word will go without uh, will go uh, with great unction. Hallelujah. There will be an unction of the Holy Ghost upon what is ministered today in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, that the word will be clear, concise. It will cut like a knife. Father, your word says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God, the sword, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And it's quick and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword of this world. It pierces to the very dividing between the soul and the Spirit. Father, we're going to know the difference between that which is Spirit from you and that which is just our soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions have been trying to take us off on a strange tangent that we don't need to be going on. Hallelujah, for the word of God, hallelujah, will separate so, uh, the soul from the spirit. Even the thoughts and intents and even the motives of the heart are going to be brought out today in Jesus' mighty name. I proclaim, Father, that your word will have its perfect work in your people in Jesus' name. I pray that every single person who is within my voice, whether they're here or on, uh, on YouTube, I thank you right now. Wherever they're hearing this, Father, that they're going to hear, hallelujah, the uncompromising word of God. 
Hallelujah. And it's going to be very understood. It's going to be clear. They're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. Hallelujah. I pray that there is fertile soil here. Fertile soil. I proclaim fertile soil. Put your hand over your heart this morning. Hallelujah. Come on. Put your hand over your heart. Hallelujah. And say, I am fertile soil. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for fertile soil. We thank you, Lord, that that fertile soil is able to give a hundred, sixty, and thirty-fold return. Hallelujah. On what the word that has been scattered out will do. We just thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. That your word, hallelujah, is going to come forth. Hallelujah. And Father, the word, hallelujah, when it comes forth, it will go forth and do what it's called and purposed to do in Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. Now, Father, if there's anything in us, Hallelujah, that's not in line with that word. You're going to shine your light on it. Hallelujah, and then you're going to give instruction hallelujah, on how to deal with it so that it no longer is in line, hallelujah, with the world, but it's in line with you in Jesus' mighty name. We praise you and thank you for the results of that. And everybody said? Everyone said? Look at someone else and say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My name is Kelly Mark. Hancock. My uh, dad, no, no, it was, yeah, it was my dad wanted to call me Sean when I, just before I was born. Now, my mama, when she gave birth to us, uh, she was one of those women that the baby didn't stay in the womb for very long when it was time, you know, and so uh, I, my mom and dad were out on, in the Idahoan uh, fields out there looking for Indian artifacts, and her water broke. And who knows how the closest hospital is, you know, about out there in the Rocky Mountains. That could be 50 miles away. I don't know how far it was. But anyway, they got there uh, to the Pocatello, Idaho, uh, Bannock Memorial Hospital. And uh, uh, I was, uh, dad was still trying to find my name, okay, and gave me a name, and then I was here. <laughs> and, the, and it was even more so with my sister. And I don't know how they came up with my sister's name. Because mom didn't, and dad didn't even say anything about it, okay? Uh, they just, uh, of course, back then you didn't know a lot of times if it was a boy or a girl. And so she, they gave birth to her, and, and dad's still filling out the paperwork at the front desk. And they said, so what do you want to name her? <laughs> And, and my dad said, Markala. Combination of my dad's name, Mark, and my mom's name, Marcella. How he ever came up with that, I'll never know. But boy, it just popped right out. And so, uh, but anyway, we're talking, you know, here I said, my name is Kelly Mark Hancock. That's my identification you know, of who I am. If you want to know who I am, you know, you always say Kelly. Uh, this morning when they were talking uh, just before service, and, and someone said something about prayer and Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, this is what you're. This is where you pray. And I lift up because I wasn't. I was doing something else. And so, but that I I I responded to my name. Okay, and my name uh, Kelly means uh, warrior. Okay, Mark means warlike. So I'm a warlike warrior. Now, Hancock has a Celtic, but also has a, an English and Celtic background to it. And a little Norwegian type of Norse to it. And so, as I did my study on my last name, Hancock is two parts to it. Uh, cock means son of 
Anytime you see a C-O-C-K at the end of a word, that's son of. And then the first part, han, comes from the Norse, Swedish, Norway, Celtic, John. And most specifically, John who laid his head on Jesus' chest. So I am a warlike warrior who lays his head on Jesus' chest. Kind of a paradox almost. Hallelujah. But I love it. And I've been called that all my life. And in a sense, I've become kind of like that. And uh, it's quite amazing how God gave me that. And that's my identification. Now, I'm not trying to say that everyone's name, you know. And I'm just saying for, for what I've found out about myself. And I love words. And they have meanings. And we're going to talk a little bit today about those words and their meanings. And how they can affect your identification. Okay? Your ID. Chris, you know what your full name is? Uh-huh. What does Christopher mean? You might want to find out. Root word of Christopher is Christ. <laughs> See, sometimes we're just so used to things, we don't even pay attention to that kind of stuff. Okay? But um, you might want to look into what your name means. Some most amazing things can come out of that. Okay, and so I'm just uh, just here, you know, uh, about my name. Now, I, I brought along a passport. This is another form of identification. You know, you can identify me, you know, by my name, but you can also identify me, you know, by my my picture, you know, and by a source of of identification called a passport. You might have a a driver's license. You might have a school ID. You might have all kinds of forms. Okay, that let people know who you are. And that can be your identification. And, um, but there is, there is something. What, what is, how can you be identified? How can you be identified? But the number one way okay, that uh, you can be identified is through this. Come on, look right up here. Some of you are looking in a strange direction. Okay? Look right here. Okay? Your identification can be found within these pages. Okay, the God who stirred men to write this word is the same God who knows you more than you know yourself. And his, his very name and nature in, in this word right here will help create who you really should be. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen out of that? There are basically two forms of ID that I'm going to share briefly about. And the first form is worldly form of idea. Uh, Your identification, if it's done according to the world or according to self, is going to be very subjective. It's going to change from day to day. It's going to change from person to person. It's going to change from work to home. It's going to change from when you're in church Praise the Lord, I'm doing great, hallelujah, to Walmart. Would you get out of my ever front of front of front away? Don't tell me you've not gone that direction. When we become, when we get into that worldly mindset and we allow the world to affect, okay, how we live our life, it becomes very subjective. Everyone say subjective. Now, you understand what subjective means. Subjective means it it shifts and changes with the ever-flowing, ever-changing patterns of life. Okay? It's like the, remember I sang that song a little while ago? The wise man? Well, how about the other one? 
The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Now what does sand do? It shifts. I mean even little footprints will scatter in all different directions. Just one little footprint. Can you imagine one person coming into your life and doing just a little bit and it can, it'll shift you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, so what we want to do is, is uh, if your identification of who you are, listen up, if your identification of who you think you are is based out of a worldly mindset or the world has told you how or what you should be or who you are, then that's going to be very subjective and you're going to live a roller coaster life. Now, we love going on roller coasters. Some people don't, but I love roller coasters, okay? But you don't want to be on a roller coaster life. Now, there are a few people who might enjoy that because of all the ups and downs and everything. You know, I, personally, myself, and I think most people in a majority do not want a roller coaster life, okay? They would like a stable life. Look at your neighbor and say, stable life. Also, a worldly form of identification is undefined. There's no real definition. Be whatever you want to be. I, I, I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, I saw a little video of a, of a person of importance that kind of knew what was going on in the world today. And there was a school somewhere here in the States, and the um, principal had... Um, made it possible for those who identify as cats to have their own little box where they can go to the bathroom in the bathrooms because they identify as a cat. Okay? So uh, are you being identified in a worldly pattern, a worldly kind of way where it's undefined and you can just kind of be what you want to be today? Okay, that's, that's a worldly form of identification. Uh, also, it's very fluid, okay? It's just fluid. It just kind of shifts. Again, there's no real definition, okay, to it, okay? And it goes up, it goes down, it goes this way, it goes that way. There's no foundation to it. It's whatever will be, will be. I love that song from years ago by Doris Day. I loved her song. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. What a lie. We just took it hook, line, and sinker and thought that was the way we ought to live our life. Undefined, fluid, changeable, who cares? I wonder how many of us have actually taken that on. Maybe not in every area of our life. Man, it's getting quiet now. <laughs> our identification is founded upon several things. I want you to write these things down. Who God is and who we believe him to be. Who God really is and who we believe him to be. Come on. Here's another. Who we think we are and who God says we are. Now what you say you are, who you think you are, may not be the same as who God says you are. We had several 
songs in recent years that have talked about that very thing. Okay? Here's another thought. How our parents and how others have raised us when we were growing up. That that, uh, uh, clearly puts identification into motion. How our parents raised us. How others may have raised us. When uh, I was very, very young, my, I don't remember this far back, okay? But I can remember fairly far back to when I was two and when I was kind of maybe sometimes one, my mom said. You had to have been one or two on this. I'm not going to go into all those details, but <clears throat> I was too young for this. My mom said that when I was born, she'd put me in the crib and she would have to come back every once in a while and she would have to put her hand on my stomach or my back because she couldn't tell if I was breathing or not because I was so quiet. And so I was identified as a very quiet child. And I, when I was growing up, I didn't talk very much. I, I was, you know, kind of quiet. Don't talk. Don't ask me to answer a question in school. Oh, no, no, no. And a report. Oh, my Lord, help me. <laughs> but, okay, I was considered a quiet person. Okay, even from the, when I was very, very young. My sister, on the other hand. Wild. Wild. The whole thing that I wasn't, okay? And, and uh, uh, so, you know, it, how our parents raised us helped form our, who we think we are, okay? We didn't go to church sometimes, but it wasn't consistent. And, and so we didn't get a nice, fresh infilling of God's word and, and find out who we, who we really are, okay? And so... Um, you, what you, how your parents raised you, how others raised you, even your teachers and friends will influence your identification, who you say or who you think you are. And here's another one that uh, will influence your identification. And I pray that this is your number one. Is your willingness. Everyone say willingness. Sometimes you're not willing. Sometimes we're rebellious. Sometimes we don't want it that way. Our willingness to let him transform us. I'm going to say that again. Our willingness to let him transform us. He's there. He's not moving. He is, God's word says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 that he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will not, he will not, he will not, it says in the Amplified Classic. In any way leave you helpless. Okay? Or without help? Most assuredly not. I mean, he keeps on. So he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. Okay? And he is reaching out his hand and his word and his spirit. And he's presenting to you a life that can be transformed. But you have to be willing. Look at your neighbor and say, are you willing? Come on, look at someone else across the way and say, are you willing? Come on. Okay. This is a serious thing. Are you willing to be transformed? Are you willing to to go from where you think of who you are into the reality of who God says you really are? Does that make sense to everybody? God's word says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world system. Boy, how often do we go right into that pretty quick? 
He says, do not be conformed. Okay? But, everyone say but. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to attest and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will? Be transformed. Are you willing? It will change your identification. And you've got to be willing to let go of who you think you are. Some people in this world, and according to the world's mindset, they're on top of the world. Their identification is at the top. And then when God comes into town, God says that you're something else. And some people are unwilling to let go of that. Because they're on top of the world. But not all the time are you going to be on top of the world. Because you will have the ups and you will have the downs. So you've got to have a consistent place by which your identification stands upon. And it's not the world. Are you watching lots of videos that are worldly? Are you listening to songs that are worldly? Are you reading books that are worldly? Watching TV programs that are worldly? Oh, well, it doesn't hurt anything. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not willing to take that chance. Because over a period of time, it will affect you. Okay? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, it will affect you. Our identification is founded upon our source. Now, our source. And I've kind of hit on it several times already. But our source is one of two places. And I said the world and I said God. I'm going to shift it just a little bit and I'm going to say God and I'm going to say self. All right? Now, if it's God, okay, that's, your, that's where you want. Okay? Then there's self. And anything that's self, okay, is an idol. How you look at yourself, okay, based upon yourself, okay, is an idol. You've just erected a God in place of God. And you will be battling that for the rest of your days. Is that your plan? I hope it's not your plan. I hope it's not your plan to battle God's plan for you, God's identification of you. Okay? That you're willing, yielded, soft, pliable, tenderized. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are two trees that were in the Garden of Eden. How many trees? Well, there were lots and lots of trees, really. Okay? But there were two trees that are, were identified. I.D. Okay? One was the tree of life. The other was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And identification comes from one of those two trees. Adam and Eve were walking around in life. I wonder what life looks like. They, when they partook of the tree of life and they would eat, they were eating life. I wonder what life looks like. I wonder what life tastes like. Okay? It was a tangible thing to them. Okay? And they walked in it every day. They tasted of it. They drank of it. God was the essence of it. And there was, the tree was filled with life. And then, of course, there was one who came. And we'll talk about him in a, in a little while. And uh, he kind of put a cog in the wheel. 
okay, change things. Uh, but the tree of life, the tree of life has, a, has roots to it. And the roots of the tree of life are the creator itself. The creator of that tree and everything else. He's the creator and he's the roots of the tree of life. Okay? Then there's another tree that we talked about. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And its root is self. It's self. Okay? And if you were to get a picture of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would see two sides to it. The side of good and the side of evil. And we are really, you hear about it a whole bunch now. About being a good person. About being a good this, good that. We're doing good deeds. Okay? And we're all about okay, doing that. And the world just loves doing good things for, the pe- for people. Okay? They're out on the community and they're passing out you know, this and we're doing that for the community. And, and we're doing good. Okay? But they're doing it without God's direction. They're doing it out of self. Some, many of them are doing it so they can get some sort of a label. Identification. So that they can get some kind of a reward. So that they can get some kind of, of, of prestige. So they can get more friends. Okay? Do you get what I'm trying to say? And so we have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And on each side, one is good and one is evil. And on the side of evil, the identification that evil will give is shame because of all the bad things you've ever done. Shame on you. You did this. You did that. How dare you? You should not. You should be ashamed of yourself. Okay? Things like that. Shame, shame, shame on the evil side. Okay? On the good side, okay, you have perfection. Work. Perform. Work hard. Perform. Do it harder. Do it better. Do it stronger. Do it this. Do it that. Okay? And then when it doesn't work, and it normally doesn't, after a period of time, you fall off the wheel and you can't go that far anymore. And then you go off to the evil side. And the evil side, shame on you for you didn't do it good enough. Shame on you because you didn't perform it the right way. Shame on you. Condemnation. Oh, I'll do better, I'll do better, I'll do better. And I get up and I try and I try and I try and I'm working hard and working hard. Perform, perform. I'm such a good boy. Oh boy, oh boy. Crash and burn. Happens even in church. You know what? hate to say this, but the church has actually kind of taught it that way too. The preacher preaches a good message, you know, make you feel good. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Yay, yay, yay. Oh, yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Boom, ba, ya. Sis, ba. You know, and off we go. Rah, rah, rah. And then in the middle of the week, we've been riding the good wheel, okay? And then we fall off. And that's why we had Wednesday night service. <laughs> but what you we realize that we're going from good to yeah, evil from good to evil and so we go back to church the next Sunday because we feel so awful about ourselves and we come forward and we ask please pray and lay your hands on me because life is awful and it's terrible and I've done these things wrong and the 
pastor gives another wonderful message and the best lifts you up and encourages you and off you go. And we miss out on the very important part that we've unplugged from the very source where we need to be. We need to be with life. Not with good and evil. That's the world. That's self. That's all they have to work with. They have chosen not to go with God, so they automatically choose self and, of course, the enemy. Okay? And with that, it is a never-ending okay, rat race. Okay? And God is calling you today to get off that rat race and begin to plug into life itself. It is not about good and evil. It is about life and death. Did you hear me? It's not about good and evil. It's about life and death. Okay? And so we want to make sure that we uh, know the difference, okay, between life and good and evil. Okay? Both evil and good together, both sides, make us into someone that isn't our true identification. And too many of us have, all, have been established in it for so long. That's our identification. And then we try and put a framework of God all around that. And that's why it is horrific. That's why we see a lot of the church falling to pieces. Okay? God's identification and man's identification were challenged in the Garden of Eden. Would you please put up uh, Genesis chapter 3, please? Everyone go to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, uh, man's identification and God's identification were challenged in the Garden of Eden. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Who was, what, what was the enemy trying to do right there with Eve? He was challenging God's identification. He was going right for the throat at the very beginning. And he was doing it in a very sneaky, cunning way. It says he's crafty. He's not stupid. Okay? And so he comes and he says, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Okay, we know the rest of that little part right there. And then in verse 4, let's look at verse number 4. You will not certainly die. Lie, lie, lie. Okay. The serpent said to the woman, wow. So he, he brings and he, he positions himself almost like you would say like maybe an angel of light or, or it sounds really nice and sounds really like almost approachable, okay? And then he shares these things and, and twists it, okay? And you won't certainly die. What he's doing right there with her is he is challenging who God is. He isn't who he says he is. Because you're not going to die when you, when you do this. Okay? And then verse 7 says, then, the, and then they go ahead and they eat. And Adam eats. Okay? And they realize what's happened. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked. Verse 8. 
Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When the enemy attacked God's identification, okay, it shocked them. And they hid. And it literally changed their identification of who they were. When you don't have a proper perspective of who your God is, you will no way have a good perspective of who you are. Because your identification is all wrapped up in Him. So if you're not spending time with Him and getting to know Him as your Lord, as your Savior, as your friend, as your Creator God, as all of the things that, that He is, then you are not allowing your own identification to be found in Christ. And so you want to make sure that your times with the Lord are many, many. The more you spend time with Him, the more you are shifted and changed and transformed and become the person that God has created you to be. That is your identification. You do understand that God has a blueprint of you. And that blueprint of you was created before time ever started. God's word says before the beginning, before anything was created, he already knew you. He had a blueprint of you. And it hasn't changed even though you've done lots of wrong things. Isn't that awesome? Your God has not changed his blueprint of you from the beginning of time just because you did 9,655,738 things wrong and counting. His plan, his blueprint of you is still the same. And he still holds to it. And he still says that that's, your, that's you. Hallelujah. And so when you come into him, you're able to see more of that. And embrace it and believe it as yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I was afraid. His identification of God changed and his identification of himself changed. Okay? And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and this is after he gets him into a big, huge uh, powwow, okay? And he says, uh, Adam, I'm sorry, yeah, Adam, okay? How'd all this happen? And because Adam goes, it was her fault. The woman you gave me. Blame God and blame that woman, but not me, okay? Blame you because I now have found out that you aren't everything you said you are. And I blame her because what you, who I see you as, now I don't see her the same. Is anyone getting anything out of this? Are you looking in your heart? Hallelujah. So verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head. He, 
There will become one later on who will crush your head, Satan. Hallelujah. You'll strike the heel. You'll strike the heel. And a lot of that striking of the heel deals with your identification. Because what is your, what is, when, why would he strike the heel? What is the heel part of? Come on, what's the heel the part of? Your foot. What does your foot do? Helps you to stand, helps you to what? Walk and go. What does your identification do for you? Helps you to stand, helps you to walk and go where you need to go. Your identification will tell you which way to go. Your, your identification will tell you how to stand. The enemy will attempt to bruise your what? He'll try to bruise your identification. Why? So that you will go a wrong direction. So you'll think wrong thoughts. So that you'll respond differently than what you should. You get what I'm trying to say? Hallelujah. He's not a nice one. He likes to go around acting nice. And he's got the world fooled. And he's got part of the church fooled. And I'm a little angry about that. How dare he tell the children of God that it's okay to embrace your fears and walk and, and have them as your, as your friend. Hm. What's all that about? Okay, moving right along. Okay. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Well... We know farther down the road, it was Jesus who did crush Satan at the cross and through the resurrection. Amen? Come on, let's give him glory for that. Yes. Hallelujah. It was Jesus who did that. He crushed the head of Satan. But we understand that it didn't stop Satan from using people and situations to come and try and, and, and change things. Okay? He doesn't follow the rules. He doesn't go along covenant plans. Okay, he's a rule breaker, a covenant breaker, and he wants as many people of the world to go and do that and be the same. And so he has uh, some limited authority on this earth while we live here to do things and to cause things to happen. 1 Peter 2.9, you don't have to listen to him. But a lot of us do at different times. And in 1 Peter 2.9, I didn't put it up for the board, but it says, But you are not like that. But you are what? Not like that. For you are a chosen people. Look at someone and say, I'm chosen. You are royal priests. Look at someone and say, you're a royal priest. I am a holy nation. Look at someone and say, you're part of a holy nation. God's very own possession. Look at someone and say, you're very, God's very own possession. Now, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful, marvelous light. Ha! Hallelujah. That has everything to do with our identification. Who we see ourselves as because God sees us that way. Satan will cause us to question God's identification. Thus, opening the door to question our own identification. He will almost always go after God's identification, how you see God. And if he can get you to uh, discredit God, if he can get you to not trust God, if he can get you to look at God in a way that is less than who he really is, it will affect your own identification. Because we get our identification from the Lord. 
God will consistently speak to your true identification. I'm going to repeat that. God will consistently speak to you your true identification based out of his identification. He will do it. He's consistent in it. I'm reminded of Gideon. Remember Gideon? Where's Gideon? He's down in the basement, hiding, shaking like a leaf, trying to do something for his family that has no, uh, it's for their life. And he's down below, doing it in a way that could not ever be done properly. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says what? Hail thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, oh, that's not even me. Who are you talking to? And yet God was speaking to him from what? God's identification for him. Based out of his own identification. Let's go to Mephibosheth. Everyone say Mephibosheth. I know that's a long word. Mephib. Think of a fib like a lie. Mephib. Mephibo. Mephibosheth. Sheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth. <laughs> now Mephibosheth uh, was a young man that um, was during David's time and Jonathan's time. And he was connected to Saul's family, the king just before David. And uh, it came time uh, for the transition of power to take place and David is put on the throne And all of Saul's family are fleeing. Because it was very common at that time for the new king to gather all of the old royalty and kill them all off. And so everyone was fleeing. And so they're getting ready to flee. And the nurse uh, that held uh, Jonathan's uh, uh, family, uh, Mephibosheth, he was five, the nurse... Uh, stumbled and she dropped him and he uh, something bad things happened to his legs both legs and they were crippled and he was crippled the rest of his life and then they left and they ran to a place called Lodibar everyone say Lodibar and Lodibar okay uh, has a name to it and I'll speak to it in just a minute okay and I wanted to to read What's taking place? David is now on the throne. He's been there for quite a few years. And he remembers the covenant that he had made with Jonathan. Jonathan and he had made a very powerful covenant connection. And he said, if anything ever happens to you or I, then the other one will do kindnesses to their family, to the other's family. Well, God brought it to his attention. You got to do something for Saul's family. And so he asks his helpers. He says, helpers? Um, is there someone from Saul's family that we can show kindnesses to? And well, yeah, there is. It's Mephibosheth. Okay? And he says, well, go get him. And so here's the story of Mephibosheth. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. And he was five years old, 1 Samuel 4, 4. When the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. David is now asking about someone that he can show kindnesses to. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindnesses for Jonathan's sake? 
Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? I'm at your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, Oh, there is still a son of Jonathan, and he's lame in both feet. Notice he doesn't even give him a name. His identification is he's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Maker, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Maker, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. And I'm going to stop there for just a minute. Okay? All he's ever known, Mephibosheth, is there's a new king and that they fled from him. So he's now calling upon Mephibosheth personally. So what is in Mephibosheth's mind? Danger, maybe death. And I'm, I'm crippled. I have to have people help me. I can't do this by myself. And now he wants to possibly kill me. Okay? And so this is what David says. Don't be afraid. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to you and your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. The identification of Mephibosheth was everything that God said it wasn't. Okay? And yet he was walking in that shame. You know what uh, Mephibosheth means, by the way? Mephibosheth, look at your neighbor and say, what does Mephibosheth mean? Mephibosheth means from the mouth of shame. Okay? But also, interesting enough, it also has another meaning. It means shame exterminator. One of them says shame destroyer. The destroyer of shame. Some of you have been dealing with shame. Lots of it. God wants to deal with it today. You're like a Mephibosheth. You've been in a place maybe of what's called Lodibar. Do you know what Lodibar means? Lodibar is a place, but it had a meaning to it. And Lodibar means no word, no thing, nothing. No pasture, no food, no anything. You're in a place of nothingness. You're in the middle of nowhere. You know what, what maker means from the house of maker? Bartered. What do you do when you barter? You trade one thing for another. Mephibosheth was treated like an object. No, no human dignity. Get the picture? He couldn't do anything for himself. Totally, totally dependent on others. In a place called nowhere, no food, no pasture, no green, no word. But here's something cool. In amongst all that is another word called Amiel. And Amiel means God is my kinsman. 
I want you to put that picture all together. He walked, Mr. Mephibosheth walks into the palace of the king. He's not part of that. He knows he's not a part of it. He's going to be dying. He's going to die. Something horrible is going to happen. He's come from nowhere. Okay? Totally dependent. Okay? Bartered feeling. Okay? I'm shame. I'm the, I'm the essence of shame. And he comes in contact with David, who in this case is, is like a picture of God himself. And God completely changes the narrative of his life. His identification is totally challenged and totally shifted. We were singing songs about, okay, things are shifting. What's, what was the phrase that she used? There's a shifting. There's a breaking in my favor. Okay? There's a shifting and a breaking. There's a God of the breakthrough. God is trying to tell some people something in here and something on YouTube, okay, that you need to know. Hallelujah. Stop walking in your identification of who you think you are. God is a God who has an identification of you that is far beyond what you could ever imagine or think. Are you willing to let him transform you? Even in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now there's another name, and his name is Ziba. Did you hear his name a few minutes ago? He's one of the servants kind of helping out with David and, and that whole group. Well, I want us to read a selection um, from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Then the king, that's David, summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring, him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants himself. He was probably a little bit chapped about all that. Okay? And so, you know what? How do I know that he probably was a little bit chapped? Because of the th things that happened next. Okay? Now, 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 24 through 30. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, this is a time in which uh, David has, is fleeing Jerusalem because uh, Absalom, his son, is going to rise to power. And so they're fleeing. Okay? And in the midst of that, okay, uh, Ziba is in the picture, and David is in the picture, and Mephibosheth is in the picture. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. Okay? He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day that he returned safely. Okay? There was a situation in which Ziba had told David when they were all fleeing. Okay? Ziba told David, Mephibosheth's not going with you. Why? Oh, because he, th he says that his family is going to be restored to the kingship. And so he's going to stay with that king that's going to rise to power. That's what Ziba told David. Okay, then he turns and goes to Mephibosheth. And he says, Mephibosheth, David doesn't want really have anything to do with you, so you're going to stay here. So that's why Mephibosheth was in the condition he was when David came back and after Absalom had been taken care of. 
David's now coming back and getting reinstalled and, co- and getting everything right. And then he sees Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth is just so excited, but he's also so like what? Because the enemy comes in to a still attempt to deal with your identification and twist it. He is not nice. Okay? Watch out, children of God. Satan's not done. Be aware. Be discerning. Okay? So when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth said, My lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king. My lord, the king, is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord, the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land. Because, because of what had happened, David said to Ziba, okay, you can take what was Mephibosheth's. And then God still shows his kindness after that, after everything settles down. And Mephibosheth still ends up getting half of that which was more than enough. Okay, And Mephibosheth said to the king, listen to this, let him take everything. Now that my Lord the King has returned home safely. Identification. I know who you are. I know who I am. I don't need that stuff. I need you. Is anyone getting anything out of this? Ha! Ah! <laughs> By the way, do you know what Ziba means? That servant? It means beautiful and gorgeous. Can you see the meaning there? It also means plant. I was thinking of when I was doing this, he's a plant. He's not a plant as in a, something coming up and growing. He's a plant, like someone who is planted in to do something wrong. He's established to be put there to do something wrong. <laughs> uh, one of the versions actually says that, he was a, that, that his title is false servant. He's not true. Hallelujah. So Jesus was challenged in his ID as well. Everyone say ID. Hallelujah. He was challenged in his ID as well. Jesus baptized and, affir- and was affirmed and showed to show his right standing with the Father. But Satan confronted his identification to stop the plan and destiny. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 3 verses 13 through 17. Hallelujah. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Verse 16, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice came from heaven and said, This is my son, who am I love, and I am well pleased. There's your identification. God, Father God was identifying his son. The very next verse. Everyone say the very next verse. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God. Identification. Are you really who you say you are? Because if you are, then you'll be able to do this. He's twisting. 
Okay? Tell these stones to become bread. Because you're hungry. You know you are. Isn't that just like the enemy? How sly. How insipid. How inhumane. He gets you at your lowest point and then digs. Challenges you. Jesus answered, it is written, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil, he wasn't done, he wasn't done. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, there he goes again. If you really are who you say you are, if you really are identified in the way you say you are, if you are. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's even using the word of God. But he's using it in a way, okay, that's for selfish purposes. Just go ahead and throw yourself down. It's like you going to the Grand Canyon. God, I know that you'll take care of me as I jump off the Grand Canyon right now. I just know you will. Right. Okay. Jesus answered him, it is also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. The devil's not done. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you. Now he's getting desperate. He's not even saying if you are the son of God anymore. He's just saying, I'm just going to give all this to you. If you just bow down, worship me, just, that's all you have to do. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Powerful. Two aspects of God that give us our identification. Write them down. Two aspects of God that give us our ID. One of them is life. Everyone say life. Two aspects of God that give us our ID. Life gives me ID. Life himself gives me identification. John 1.4. John 1.4 says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Hallelujah. In him was what? Life. He is life. He is the source of life itself. You will find it in no other. The world is searching all over the place to try and find it. They never will find it until they come to him. But they don't want him. So they're still trying to find it without him. Hallelujah. And the other is love. Everyone say love. Another aspect of God is his love that will give you identification. 1 John 4, 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's identification. That's true identification. Living in life and living in love. Hallelujah. Now, in the back... Uh, near the books, I have an attached sheet, okay, that I want each one of you to take with you. It looks just like this, and it says, I am, and it says, God is. And these are a selection. It's not all inclusive, okay, but it's a selection of things of who God says you are and who God says he is, okay? Scriptures to go along with it, and I encourage you to take those with you. And begin to apply them as the Holy Spirit shows you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I want us to stand this morning. And as that music is quietly coming on. I want you to take a few minutes. And I want you to remember what has been said today. 
about our identification. Some of you I know have an identification issue. Really all of us still do in certain ways. And so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something. The Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to reveal. Look at, look, look, look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit's job includes revealing. Okay? Now I want you to get with yourself. Tim, if we can have the lights down just a little bit, please. Hallelujah. As we enter into kind of a quieter, intimate time, I don't want you to uh, pay attention, really, if it, if it were to other people. This is your time with Father. He has come in full identification regalia. But his regalia is not for pomp and circumstance and for show off. His identification regalia is for you. And now the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some areas in your life in which you still say that you are. They're not in the Word. They're not found in the Word. But you're still saying that that's who you are. For some of you, it's just, it's one or two little things. Maybe for some of you, it's a whole list of things, a whole list of areas in your life. But I trust that the Holy Spirit, and he's really good with this, he'll just, he'll deal with one or two. And then we can work on the rest a little bit later. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're at work right now revealing some areas in us that are not in identification alignment. We're not everything. We don't think the way that you say we are completely. And, and you say, I'll still use them. I'll still use these people, even though they're flawed, because I love them. And I have life in store for them. But as they learn to find out who they really are, and not just who they think they are, and as they find out who I am, not who they think I am, that their lives are going to be radically changed even in this moment. I want us to get into a place, a safe place. We hear that word a lot anymore. I call it the secret place. He's here, you know. He's very near. I sense that he's walking between the aisles right now. He's visiting each and every one of you. And he's touching you right now. And he's shining light upon those areas that are not in line with proper identification. And he's not doing it in a mean, angry way. He's doing it out of complete love. Complete love. He doesn't have a sword in his hand. It's his identification that he has. Some of you don't quite understand maybe everything about who he is. I ask Holy Spirit that you reveal to them 
who you really are. And as you show yourself who you really are, it's going to change who they are. you to repeat after me Father I'm your child you have a blueprint of me there's an identification that's mine that's from you it's holy it's pure it's complete Holy Spirit You're revealing an area that I'm not complete. Holy Spirit, take me back to the place where I first received this ungodly identification. Let him take you back there right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let him take you back to that place where you first may have heard or a series of situations where you first heard or started to believe something that wasn't in line with his word regarding who you are. I'm a very interactive teacher. As you are there, as you know where that place is, where that happened, raise your hand. Just briefly and then put it right back down. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You you know where that place is at or that series, or that time frame where that happened. Yes, yes, yes. Just up and then back down. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Now, say, Holy Spirit, show me where you were at what did you want me to know in that moment that I may have missed out on let him speak let him speak to you about it This is a very intimate time. For some of you, you're going back to when you were three or four. Some of you are going back to your teenage years. Some of you are going back to yesterday. Has he shown you what he wanted to say to you but that you may have missed out on? I want you to just repeat after me. Jesus, I renounce the power and the effects of the lie of identification that I've believed in Jesus' name. I renounce it. I renounce the lie. I renounce the assignments, the attacks, And the effects that it had on my life.
Jesus, forgive me for believing the lie. That's not who I was. That's not who I am. Does he forgive you? Watch him say it to you. Look straight into his eyes. I believe that God gives us a mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ is filled with images. And those images are completely godly. And he's giving you a picture of of himself. Look right into his eyes. And say, I repent of believing the lie about myself. Jesus, tell me who you say I am, who I really am. Now let him tell you. He talks, you know. Is he talking to you about who you really are? Amen. Anyone else? You're his. He's yours. Just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for telling me who I really am. You know me better than I know myself. I accept your truth of who you say I am. And I make covenant with it. I will stand upon this truth of who you have told me I am. Now let's be thankful. Just lift your hands as a sign of yieldedness and surrender and just tell him thank yous. Give him some thank yous. Right now, many of you, you have shifted in your belief of who you are. Thank you, Father. Come on, give him several thank yous. Be grateful. Let the the depths of who you are rise up as you say thank you. Let, Let the pit, the very depth and the very center of your being rise up to declare the thank you. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is who you say I am. This is who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And what I thought I was, never more will be. It's who you say I am. Not what I thought I was. Father, I pray right now that the blueprint, the blueprint of who you say we are is ingrained 
into the very depths of our being. And the Father, you have more opportunities to show us even more who we are. And we're willing and yielded, Father, to that. We're willing to go there again because you're a great God and you have great things in store for us. And a lot of it deals with who we are. Hallelujah. Brad, if you'll turn off the uh, music and I have a direction that I'm going to go and it's um, a song that I heard many years ago and I didn't know why I was going to... um, I even put it on on as a video. I'm not going to go there, but I have what's called an omnichord. It's kind of like a, a... an auto harp, so to speak, and then you strum and you change keys and on it. Uh, I think you guys remember it. And uh, uh, I played it the other night, first time in a long time. And it was a song by a lady by the name of Mimi Ribble. And she, uh, the Lord gave her, it was her response to God coming into her moment with identification and other things. And she was responding to that moment and uh, it's called Jesus, I Adore You. Jesus, I adore you. Jesus, I adore you. Lay my life, my all before you. For you are all I need. Jesus, I adore you. Jesus, I adore you. Let me rest my head upon you and hear your heart's beat. Father, we adore you. We take this moment. We adore you for how you are shifting and changing us. You're all we need. We're laying our lives before you more now than ever. We rest our head upon your shoulder, upon your chest, and we hear your heart's beat. And your heart's beat is filled with identification. You're telling us over and over again of who we are and who you are. And that's changing everything about how we look and where we're headed. Satan, you've lost again. You may have bruised our heel, but we take this moment and crush your head. So take a moment and crush on his head. Come on, use your foot and crush on his head. He tried, but he didn't do he, he, he didn't do it. Okay? We have crushed his head. Satan, your head is crushed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, give him glory in the house this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. I wanted to um, share with you uh, the truth of God's word. Okay? It's real and it's powerful. And, and it is meant to transform and change and shift okay, our lives, isn't it? Hallelujah. It's not just another book. And we look at it and say, oh, well, that's nice. You know, let me look at it from this book over here and see, you know, what I can get from that book now. That is no, no, no. This Bible, this word is your centerpiece. It's your centerpiece. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And I pray that what has happened here this morning has been a challenge to you and has changed you and God has shown you some things that are, going, that are changing everything about you. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's talk about giving. Giving. My God is a giver. He just gave to you. How, how much was that worth to you? How much was that worth to you, what he just told you? Laura, how much was it worth to you, what he just gave to you? Can you put a, can you put a price tag on that for me, please? Chris? LaVon? Tim? Is there a price tag, Terry, upon what God does? Can't put a price tag on it, can you? It's not possible. It's not there. Nothing humanly possible can give back or pay for what he gives. It's super supernatural. But God does, he loves for our response, okay, to come. And he knows that we'll have a response. And that response is giving in back to him in different ways. Okay, whether it's giving to people, whether it's giving, you know, to a, an organization or if it's giving to the church here, okay? However way, we want to give back the best way we know how. And God receives it. You know, there's a book that I, I read every year to my kids. And it's called uh, The Boy uh, Who Cried Abba. And in it, the little boy is all crippled, he's all, you know, it's identification issues, you know, it's terrible, awful situation. And he lives in a little run-down town in, in Mexico, and he um, is teased all the time, and he, the only safe place he has other than being at home with his grandmother is to go to the church. And he goes to the church, and it's quiet, it's peaceful, and he sees this man on a cross. And he goes up to him one day to, and he sees that he's sad and, and he might have a tear. He's very thirsty. And so he literally gets a ladder and he goes up and he gives him a cup of water. And <laughs> he just gives from what he's seeing, okay? And, and in that, later on in the story, uh, there's a great big fair going on and there's a, a guy who uh, has, has his wagon and he's going to sell some things but he's not selling, he's giving it away. And uh, he looks at the, the little boy and tells him to come here. And they gain a camaraderie and a friendship. And we find out that that, that man, um, that he has a special name. And uh, it's a godly name. And he uh, shares with the little boy in the midst of their conversation. He says, thank you, by the way, the other day for giving me that cup of water. God recognizes, he recognizes, he knows, he sees what you do, okay? And, and so he responds. And so in his response to you, I want you to give back to him the best that you can give, okay? And know that he watches and he knows and he responds back to that. Yeah? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cammie? The uh, sheets that are in the back, the I am sheets. Okay. Of course, I kind of. <laughs> Don't forget about the I am sheets <laughs> in the back. 
Okay, you guys, um, wow. So good. <laughs> Take that all in for a minute. Um, some announcements. Okay, so this Wednesday, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull up Pastor Kelly. Everybody say Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, this coming Wednesday is the Life of the Spirit, part three. And I've been to the first two, and they are so good. It kind of goes along with what we're doing here on Sundays, too. Um, so try to be there for that. Um, it's uh, part three this week. So uh, 6.45 for snacks, and then we start at 7. Would love to see you guys there. And then, um, okay, so if you have a birthday in the month of October, please stand, if you would. Everybody, let's, there we are. Let's clap for them. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and if we, if, uh, if there's anybody we missed, we apologize, but if, if, <laughs> but let's, let's sing them a little song now. Oh, come on, Miss. Birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Mitch and Gail and everybody else, happy birthday to you. Woo! Thank you guys. Happy birthday. And then make sure that if, if we don't have your birthday, you can always add it to the connect card. Don't forget the I am sheets in the back. And um, yeah, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Um, let it go down deep in our hearts. Father, we thank you for what you shared with each one of us today. And we walk in that. We walk in life. We stand on the authority of your word, Father, and, and we are so grateful for your path of life that we can have, Father, and we just thank you that you are our source. You are our constant source. You go before us, behind us, all around us, and we love you. Thank you that we walk in love and that you shine through us every day. Thank you, Father, that we go and we share this word in the name of Jesus because you gave it to us to share, Father, that we could be a light for you in the name of Jesus. Thank you guys for coming, and we'll see you next week or on Wednesday. You are dismissed. <laughs>